0: For the past several months, we've been in a sermon series devoted to helping us all recognize a powerful and very personal biblical truth. And that's simply this, that Jesus Christ longs to be, wants to be Lord of every area of our lives. And among the many possible choices, we focused our study on eight important areas of life particularly that Jesus addressed in the Gospel of Luke. And so today we're looking at the first 13 verses of Luke, uh, chapter 11, which remind us, reminds us that Jesus wants to also be Lord of our prayer life. Now, if I ask you to raise your hand if you were totally satisfied with your prayer life, I doubt if a single hand would go up. I know mine wouldn't. So I want us to listen carefully to the words of Jesus on this very important spiritual matter. The setting is found in verse 1, which tells us that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, this is kind of interesting to me. You know, it's not like these individuals had never prayed before. You know, Jewish people prayed frequently. But when these disciples witnessed the prayer life of Jesus, they really, really understood their inadequacy in this area. I mean compared to Jesus' prayer life, they felt like they, you know, knew nothing about prayer. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus praying numerous times. In Luke 3:21, he prayed after his baptism and the heavens opened and God's voice was heard. In Luke 15 six, or, excuse me 5:16, the crowds were overwhelming, so Jesus, the Bible says, withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. In Luke six twelve, before he chose his disciples, he sent out, spent time on a mountainside, and he spent the whole night praying to God. Luke chapter nine verse eighteen says, once Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were there with him. And Luke nine twenty nine says that he took Peter, James, and John with him and went up into a mountain to pray. And while there, the full extent of his glory was revealed to these men. And through all these experiences, the disciples could see the connection between Jesus' prayers and his miraculous miracles and power and dynamic leadership. And as a result, they wanted to know the secret. So they came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray like you pray? Pastor John McGarvey once told about uh, the church copy machine breaking down. And he said he knew he wasn't very mechanically minded, so he called the repair shop to see about getting it fixed. But uh, he quickly discovered that he didn't even know how to describe what was broken. He didn't know the names of the parts. And uh, he didn't know specifically exactly what was wrong. He just knew the copy machine didn't work. Boy, I relate to that here at the church. We, we, uh, we have a complicated set of machinery. But anyway, the repair shop sent out a technician. And while he was working on the machine, he called the shop as well. But unlike the pastor, he knew how to describe exactly what he needed. He used words that the, the preacher didn't even understand. But the person at the shop did, and soon the copier was repaired. And later on, when he was talking about this experience... He said, My need was met because somebody came and communicated to headquarters in words that I could not express. And you know, the Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 8 that that is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. When we don't know how to pray, He knows precisely what we need and He communicates in a language the Father understands perfectly. I was surprised to, to see in one magazine that conducted a poll, they asked Americans what subjects they wanted to hear about the most when they went to church. And the number one request, how to make prayer more effective in our lives. Isn't that interesting? We know a lot about the, the Bible, and we come to church faithfully, except on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I don't know how that slipped out. I am so sorry. But I tell you what, I say to you from personal experience, no matter how long you've been a Christian, you probably feel kind of like a first grader when it comes to the school of prayer. So let's examine the lesson Jesus taught here and see if we can't receive more of his power and peace through our prayer life. He began by giving us a pattern for prayer. That's pretty much the focus for this message. And it's got several parts to it. First, We are to pray personally. We're to pray personally. Verse 2 says, He said to them, When you pray, say, and He gave them what's called the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Sometimes it's called the model prayer. But it's not something that we're simply just to recite, though you can do that. It's more of an illustration of how effective prayer should be structured in our lives. And it's certainly good to repeat this prayer uh, on occasion if you do it sincerely. But there's very little value in just repeating this prayer over and over and over again without paying attention to its content. So the Lord's Prayer is given as an example of how you and I should express personally our concerns to God. On Mother's Day or on your birthday when you get a greeting card, which means the most to you? Is it the flowery hallmark phrases that are there? Is that just the poet poetic part of it? Or is it the handwritten uh, comment or two from somebody that they took the time to share with you? Well, it's usually what was printed there because it's more personal in expression of their heart. And when you and I pray, God wants a personal relationship with us. He wants us to talk to him, not just acknowledge that he exists necessarily. And we see here in Luke 11, Jesus never gives us a rigid outline to follow, but rather He gives you some guidelines so as to make your prayer more personal and intimate as you talk to God and express your concerns and your feelings. So first, we're to make our prayers personal. Then secondly, in our pattern, we're to pray simply in a spirit of humility. We're to pray Simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. And we do so in a spirit of humility. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now notice this is how we begin by talking to God directly in prayer. We are are nowhere in the Bible ever told to pray to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're never told in the Bible to pray to some saint who had died. Prayer was given as a personal communication to God the Father and His created beings. In fact, 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all men. So we begin our prayers. We say, Father, hallowed or holy be Your name. I read of a little fellow that lived in New Haven, Connecticut. He was in Sunday school trying to memorize the Lord's Prayer not having a very good luck with it. And his teacher, who was kind of listening in the hallway, heard him say this, Our Father who lives in New Haven, how do you know my name? <laughs> now, the Spirit was there, but he, he, he was not quite, to, he needed to do this some more. And when you and I pray, God's name is to be sanctified. God's name is to be blessed and revered. And respected, Our prayer should begin by praising God for His His holiness. We praise Him for His awesomeness, for His love, for His mercy, His grace. And for coming into this world in the form of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. He died in our place. Then we add the next part of it is, your kingdom come. You see, God's kingdom in the Old Testament was the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, God's kingdom is the church. And in the age to come, God's kingdom will be comprised of a new heaven and a whole new earth. But when we pray today, what we're doing is longing for God to rule in the church and in our lives. Every Christian ought to pray for your local church. We we know you do because so many wonderful things happen in this congregation but sometimes we need to be reminded that that's a very important role to be a member of a church is that you pray for the congregation. We need you to pray for our leaders. We need you to pray for you know, the situations that are going on all around us. We, uh, we're trying to get a new road access put in here to the property, so we want you to pray that this comes together fairly smoothly because they're going to be closing the road here around the congregation. So that means that you know, unless you got a horse, you have to you can ride in on a horse maybe, but you, you got, you're not going to be able to just drive into the property until we get this secondary access point uh, put in up here closer to the Pete, our neighbor, it's along that back wall, back line. And so, pray that that comes together. We're in the process of getting fiber optics finally here in the church. I mean, isn't that just something? I don't even know what they are. I know they got fibers in them and they do things with optics. That's all I know. But Nick is so excited he can't hardly wait. You know. And Val is excited. Everybody's excited. But pray that these things do come together simply and easily. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for the community here. This is our place of outreach. Lots of things that you and I need to do when it comes to praying God to have his way with this congregation. We also have to pray individually, I think, for some of our family members. Not only the local church, but we have to pray for people that are going through challenges. People that are having challenges with their health, challenges in their marriages. Health issues are are, are all over the place. We should pray for the church also throughout the world. Our Christian brothers and sisters who live in Ukraine should especially be on our hearts in these troubled times. So we pray that God's kingdom would come and it would be fruitful and bear witness. And then verse 3 tells us, give us each day our daily bread. Now, in spite of what people think, we cannot translate that, our daily square donut. The Greek won't let us do that because they don't think they had donuts back then. But we do need to pray that God will give us our our weekly our monthly needs we 're to pray daily for daily bread daily uh, sustenance there 's a ministry based in Terre Haute, Indiana called Prayer Connect In fact, I wrote one of their magazines here today and uh, it', it it's, this is a tremendous resource we 've had some of their speakers come here over the years and talk to us about prayer but this is a this is a fabulous resource and uh, I'm putting the website, there it is right there. And, uh, and you really ought to get in touch with them. Um, this ministry based in Terre Haute is an excellent resource. Then, and by the way, you know, as before you even leave your house, before you begin your day, before you do anything, you should verbalize your concerns to the Lord. And this helps you, especially if you say it out loud. Helps you concentrate. Say, Lord, help me live out my Christian convictions this week at work. Lord, help me to have patience with that person that just drives me crazy. Lord, help me speak up, be bold, and be able to talk about Jesus in all my encounters today. And then verse 4 of our text, we're to ask God, forgive us our sins for as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. When you and I become a Christian, we receive forgiveness of sin. But every single day, guess what we do? We all fall short of God's glory and his will for us in our lives. And we need to ask the Lord to forgive us. Anyone here old enough to remember who Dennis the Menace was? Oh, thank you. Well, you're nodding your head. I'm amazed. That's really good. There, huh? Somebody didn't tell you about Dennis. Well, you actually know who we're talking about? Okay, okay. All right, good. By the way, it's good to see you this morning, too. Always welcome. This young man's training for the ministry, and I just need to pray for him. as one of our Timothys we're sending out of our church, you know. And uh, he's also got a sweet little girl I saw him with the other day. Pray that that relationship is postponed (laughs) until he gets done with all the really other stuff. Aren't you glad you came today, brother? Anyway, Dennis the Menace was shown one time in one of the cartoons, kneeling beside his bed, and he looks up to heaven and says, God, I'm here to turn myself in. <laughs> you ever feel like that? huh? That's the attitude we are to have. Why? Because if we don't have a forgiving attitude towards others, and if we don't acknowledge God's sovereignty over us, it's likely that we won't value the forgiveness of God. We need to pray, Lord, forgive me as I seek to forgive all others. And then Jesus went on and said, and, and, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. You know, every day we should pray, Lord, remind me of my weakness so as I depend on you for your strength. By the way, notice that this, is, this model prayer is a short prayer. Have you ever noticed? Not very many words to it. It can be read aloud in 20 seconds only has 34 words in Luke's version. Now, I know some people who have the gift of intercession can pray, and they can pray for long periods of time, and that's that's awesome. But it's interesting to hear what Jesus said in Matthew 6-7. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes and there are many cares, so the speech of a fool When there are many, many words. Isn't it interesting? You know what he's saying? He says, when you and I pray, we go to a private place. We need to communicate our personal concerns to God. We need to keep them simple and we pray in the spirit of humility. And then, number three, we're also to pray with a spirit of boldness. We pray with a spirit of boldness. In verse five, Jesus tells a story. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. But then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are all here in the bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's he's his friend, yet because of this man's boldness, because of this man's persistency, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door Will be open. Listen to this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake instead? Or if he wants an egg, you give him a scorpion. And here's the key verse If you then, if we then, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This man said to his neighbor, you know, go away, don't bother me. I don't be disturbed in the middle of the night. And sometimes prayer can be a disappointing experience. You know, we've all prayed for people who were sick to get better, and and they didn't. Nick and I prayed for people to respond at the time of invitation, and then they didn't respond. I've prayed for people to lose elections, and they have won. Some insightful person has said, God answers prayer four ways. Yes, no, maybe, and you've got to be kidding. <laughs> and it's that last one sometimes I think that he hears more often. But in verse 8, again, in Jesus' parable, he says this, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of this man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he you know what he's saying? The guy just kept knocking on the door. Now, now we are so blessed to have a loving Heavenly Father, and He is open to us and desires to hear what we have to say. But sometimes we're not courageous enough in our praying to really convince God it's important. He knows our hearts. Now, understand, don't miss this. Jesus wants us to be consistently bold in our prayers, Stop comparing God to some grouchy old neighbor. That's not the point here. He's going to respond to our sincere petitions. He will. It was the Holy Spirit who moved the Apostle Paul to write these words in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. See, God is able to do more than we're asking him to do. And he wants us to ask confidently and boldly. Remember when Jesus went back to Nazareth, his hometown, and he could not, the Bible says, he could not do any great works there because they did not believe in him. You ever try to witness sometimes to your family or your neighbors, they, they, they know you really well, that sometimes that doesn't work. He had all this power to heal and help people, and he wanted to do it. They had needs, but they did not have the faith needed to make their request come to pass. And I wonder sometimes how often in our lives we miss out on God doing amazing things simply because we either don't make the request, or we simply don't believe God will answer it if we do. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. When I was in Bible college, I had a roommate at Cincinnati Bible College there. And his name was Eugene Nyhart. And uh, Eugene was uh, one of the perfect guy you want as a roommate because he was, he was intellectual and he was a brainiac. I mean, he was just, what's the word? Nerd. He was nerdy before the word became popular. And, uh, but he was in the dorm one day and he looked out the window and he saw this gorgeous, gorgeous girl walking past. And he couldn't take his eyes off of her. Now, I, of course, was reading my Bible and, and not looking out the window. But, but, but Eugene, he just couldn't take his eyes off of her, and he boldly declared that day. He said, you know what? I'm going to ask this girl out. I'm going to ask God to help that woman respond, and she's just so pretty. And I told him, I said, you know, you have, you have no prayer. You are a nerd, you know? You, you just don't. And, you know, and, and two years later, I stood up with them at their wedding. And I want to tell you, you know, God loves us and he has unlimited resources, but he wants us to ask in faith. John Newton once wrote, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power asserts that you can never ask too much. And then in verses nine and 10, Jesus gives us a promise about prayer that reminds us, it's our fourth point on our outline, we are to pray with a spirit of anticipation. We're to pray with a spirit of anticipation. Verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open." You see, Jesus Christ was teaching these disciples that when we pray, he's teaching us now as well, We do so with the spirit of expectation, believing by faith that there'll be a positive response. I mean, no request to God is ever ignored. No knock is ever unanswered. In fact, the verb tense here means that we are to keep on knocking, keep on asking. It's not that we want to aggravate God, but we do need to indicate how serious we are and how much we believe in the power of prayer. And we're not to come to God only when there's some midnight emergency. We are to keep in constant communication with Him. The Apostle Paul talks about praying without ceasing. John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Now, this doesn't mean God's going to answer every single prayer request exactly the way we want it to be answered. That's not what Scripture says. I mean, that would... That would be a tremendous burden to bear when you think about it. But God will answer the prayer according to his will. And then in Luke 11 through 13, he gives this helpful analogy. All right. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. And then he says this. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now this, if an imperfect earthly father loves to give good gifts to his kids, surely our perfect father in heaven will give good gifts to his kids, to you and me. The key word here is good gifts. You don't give a boa constrictor to a six-year-old. If you do, you need to come to parenting classes. You know, you need to talk to Andrea. You know, that would be tremendously harmful. You don't give a Harley Davidson motorcycle to a 12 year old. Though my wife would like to have a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I would have to ride on the back (laughs) with my hair blowing in the. The point is, we're to ask God, to believe, if we believe, we ask God, and then He gives us what is best, and we don't have to be afraid of His answer. Now, I want to close with two illustrations. The first one, kind of personal, because I knew this man so well. And the second is a historical reference. that applies, actually, to this very weekend in time. But back in 1990, Wayne Smith, the minister of my home church, failed a stress test. Now, Brother Wayne was a, a pastor who... Uh, his favorite place in all the universe besides heaven was Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, Wayne would be known to, eat, to go take buckets of chicken, not only to eat for himself, but he'd take it down to the homeless people. They had Brother Smith's name was on the wall of the bus station. So If you, want, if you need food or need something, call Brother Wayne. And uh, he would come up. His whole back of his car was full of... He got all the chicken when they closed at night, and he put it in his truck and went down... And generously helped himself along the way as he was eating. He loved to eat. But he found, they found some blockages in his arteries leading to his heart. And so as he went for some more tests, while this was going on, 52 members of the Southland Christian Church were praying uh, for him. And they prayed that God would heal Wayne through medication and that no surgery would be necessary. But if that didn't do it, they prayed that Wayne would be healed by angioplasty, which, again, is like balloon surgery. Well, it ended up that he had to have triple bypass surgery. But during the procedure, the doctors found a hole in the pericardial sac around his heart, and they were able to fix it, to repair it. Prior to the surgery, they said there had been only 363 known cases like Wayne's, and all of them had been fatal for the patient and were only discovered during the autopsy. But had the doctors treated Wayne with medication, they believed he would have died within a year. Not from the blockage, but from the hole that was in that part of his heart. Had they tried the balloon surgery, they thought he would have probably died on the operating table. But Wayne recovered and continued to preach on into his 80s before he went to sleep one night and went home to be with Jesus, age of 84. You see, none of us can see the future. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's in in the heart or the bodies of other people. We don't really know. But we pray, Christians pray, believing that God's will be done and we trust that He knows how to do what is best for His children. This was illustrated dramatically, though, in another real-time, real real illustration. It was May 1940. This weekend, as a matter of fact, Adolf Hitler had stormed all across Europe. Allied forces had been absolutely unable to stop the marching of his armies. There were half a million French and British soldiers that were trapped along the coast of a place called Dunkirk. You may have seen the movie. At any rate, the Germans were just 16 miles away and were already bombing from the air and trapped soldiers there were facing certain death. So back in England, several British leaders got together and said, maybe we just cut a deal with Hitler. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. But 82 years ago this weekend, the churches of Great Britain called for the National Day of Prayer, a National Day of Prayer. And on that day, everyone from preachers to politicians went to their knees Church attendance skyrocketed as people asked God to spare their sons and husbands trapped at Dunkirk. And that day would end up becoming the turning point of of the war. Because at 7 p.m. that evening, the call went out for everybody, any of you who had a kind of a vessel of any kind, yachts to fishing boats. We need you to go out and brave the waters of the English Channel, which normally were quite turbulent in an effort to save these men. And amazing things, two amazing things happened. First, the waters of the English Channel calmed to the point that even the smallest of vessels made it across there safely. But the second is even more incredible. For some unknown reason, even though the victory was in the palm of his hand, Adolf Hitler did not order an attack, even though his generals urged him to do it. He never gave an answer as to why. But as a result... 340,000 troops were able to make their way to safety. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, when he prays, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Jesus Christ wants to be Lord of all. He wants to be Lord of our attitudes. He wants to be Lord of our relationships. He wants to be Lord simply of life, the Lord of our priorities, the Lord of our appetites and anxieties, our motives, our possessions. And He wants to be Lord of our prayers. And as we wrap up this series, I hope that, I hope that we have communicated that clearly. Oh, how he wants to demonstrate his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm going to pray. If you have a decision on your heart today, then uh, I'll just meet you right down here to the front and uh, we'll take care of that. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and gracing us and teaching us and providing everything we need for a life of godliness and a life that will reflect you and be a testimony to everybody we meet. And Lord, help us to to trust you when our life is not the way it ought to be, when situations are different and frustrated and we don't even know how to pray, Lord. Help us to put our trust in you, to get in a quiet place, and just pour out our hearts. We've seen it, we've heard it, we've watched it. We've all, whether we think about it or not, we've all benefited from answered prayers, if not our own, in the answered prayers of others. I thank you for parents that prayed for their children. I thank you for children who are now praying for their older parents. And I thank you, Father, that our church has always been open doing the things you've called us to do. We don't push back. We may not understand sometimes, Father. We may be a little slow. Our disciplines are not always all the way they should be. But Lord, I thank you that as a general rule, when we ask for prayer to be given and we put the word out, prayers have been answered. And we've seen this over and over and over again. And in those areas where you haven't answered the prayer yet, Lord, we patiently wait and trust because you know things we don't know. You know Everything we know so little. And so, Lord, thank you for this lesson that Jesus gave us. Now help us, take it with us and apply it, not just in the moment, but for the rest of our lives, to remember, to trust you, and to get on our knees and just say, Lord, we can't do it. We can't fix it. We can't make things better, but you can't. And help us do that in a spirit of faith and confidence that we see all through the Bible. Help us imitate that in our lives now. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.